Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. What's this? Hello, Hannah. And hello, world. <laughs> Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where we two dumb sisters talk about the dingity dangity longest show on the planet, family style. Alright, this is really weird, me taking it's, over your section. It's I'm so sorry. Weird. I <laughs> But I love hearing the words that I write for my stupid mouth to say coming out of your stupid mouth. <laughs> Well, this episode takes place in Minnesota, it's straight out of Deliverance, which is a thought Kindle had before the Deliverance reference came up. (laughs) Yes, this episode is very reminiscent of Piggy, 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 (laughs) Squeal Piggy. Oh, what a terrible movie. Well, this isn't the South. I mean, not technically. Not technically. Well, it's Minnesota, it's not the South. (laughs) It's nowhere near the South. I know nothing about geography. (laughs) But since they were trying to give that southern flair to it, I thought we might actually discuss the south. Let's talk the southern areas. You hate it. I love it. The food, the music, the scenery. Let's go. Hate is a very strong word. I, I would say I had deep misconceptions when I was younger. And I have learned... Not to, you know, think that way. You believed in all the stereotypes, despite living in the South. Yes. (laughs) Most of my life has been spent in the South, and just believing every stereotype, and just like, ugh, stupid hicks. And, (laughs) yeah. But I was wrong. Even though your favorite people are strong Southern women. Who love the South. And and I can admit that I have a <clears throat> a bit of a southern accent. Um, but that that's really just when I go up north because no one in the South believes that I have lived in the South all my life. So now that I live in New York, very few people notice any accent in me. That's because typically like I don't have an accent. We live in a world where we watch TV and the majority of the English we hear is that non-regional American dialect, you know? Mm-hmm. The one that they use in Supernatural, despite being in places that should have dialects and their own accents. <laughs> but I do get found out through two ways. Found out like it's a secret I'm keeping. I I wear my southern pride <laughs> on my sleeve. I'm secretly southern. I'm secretly southern. <laughs> so they find out because I don't have a New York accent... And they find out, or they don't find out, they question where I'm from when I'm super polite. <laughs> I've been volunteering at a place answering phones lately, and I'm I'm polite. It's thank you, and yes ma'am, and yes sir, and how can I help you today, and will you have a great day, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, you know. 
Oh, God. Ah, I heard it. I heard it right there, Kendall. Okay. Yeah, right there, yeah. My southern accent comes out in my customer service, okay? <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Well, Hannah. Yes. If you had a favorite southern food, say favorite southern dish, what would it be? Um, fried chicken. Not fried catfish? I can only eat catfish from the River Shack in Parable. <laughs> you are a southern snob. Look at you. <laughs> I don't know if it's so much southern as it is kind of Cajun Creole, but uh, red beans and rice with cornbread. Oh. Uh, so good. So good. That's a southern thing? I've never seen the meat anywhere else. Hmm. Well, mom has made it our whole life, so. Yeah. It's a food I associate with home in the South because, again, the only other place I've seen that eats red beans and rice is Korea, but there it's a sweet food and it's horrifying. (gasps) God, sweet. Yep. Yep. They have this really great uh, summer dish called bingsu, and it's shaved ice with, like, milk and cream and some fruits and some maybe not really sugar but sweet things and then a whole lot of red beans well the japanese also use red bean as a sweet thing no i know red beans is a sweet food in asia and it drives me nuts like those those red bean paste that we put on the tiny pancakes for my sixth grade cultural project yes That disgusting red bean paste. I'll tell you a southern thing that I like. Yes. It's related to food. I I really used to like sitting on the porch, snapping peas and shucking corn and peeling potatoes. Yep. I mean, really, that's the best place to clean all the stuff you don't want to eat off your vegetables. And we had that nice rocking chair or right rocking bench. You just rock and shuck your vegetables. (laughs) Aw, shucks. I love going to music festivals in the South. I've been to a few. Mm-hmm. Like the the Bristol Rhythm and Roots. Like, I am not a fan of most country folk bluegrass. Not, not really a fan. Americana. Americana. Yeah, there we go. But what our mother enjoys, I kind of enjoy too. So, like, I could go to the Bristol Rhythm and Roots and have a good time, even though most of it isn't my kind of music. I enjoyed the Rhythm and Roots Festival because you have so many just genuinely talented musicians that even if you don't enjoy that style of music, you can at least appreciate the talent that is on display before you. Oh, absolutely. And there's so much good music in the South, whether it be Americana or otherwise. Another good thing about the South is the swimming. In the river. Yeah, like you can find so many places to swim just like... In the creek? In nature. Because, like, I've I've oh, swam in creeks and rivers. I've Oh, a lake? I have swum in a lake. You can find so many places that aren't crowded and yeah. are just isolated and just drive off, find a body of water, and just go splash around in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, there was one that Mom took us to that had, it had a road through it. Mm-hmm. And didn't she, like, bring a watermelon and put it in the water? To chill it, yeah. Yeah. I don't like watermelon, but that, I thought it was cool that she did that. She's so smart. Yeah. Yeah, I never really liked that creek because, one, it only went up to your ankles. Two, the reason why you only wanted to go up to your ankles, though, was because it was so cold. And three, the bed of the creek was covered in rocks. And 
unless you had really good swim shoes, it hurt. It didn't stop us, but it hurt. Yeah, but if you had swim shoes and you walked far enough, like going with the creek, there were parts of it that started to look like scenes from Lord of the Rings, like just... Mm -hmm. Green and foreign. I know. I always love finding the overhangs, like mm -hmm. the rocks that projected out over the water, and you could just swim under, and you felt like you were going on a magical adventure out in the wild. Yes. <laughs> oh, Tennessee. I miss you, Tennessee. All right. Well, that's a good little love letter to the South. Music, scenery, the food. Ugh, the food. Yeah, we, we covered all of those topics. The politeness. <laughs> Yeah, it's Southern hospitality, Kendall. <laughs> now that we have covered what the South truly is... Ooh, we're going to cover what it isn't? Let's go look at what it is not. It is not cannibalism. <sighs> well... Really, Hannah? I would wager that there are cannibals everywhere. Everywhere. Not specific to people who like to hunt. Anyways, let's get into Season 1, Episode 15... The Benders. So we have our recap once again. As usual, I'm sure you guys are so happy to hear me talk about it. For some reason, maybe it's laziness or just, you know, a lack of plot this episode. We're back to the generic. The show's about two brothers who had the supernatural because of childhood trauma. Oh, and their dad is missing. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we have a plot-relevant episode, we have recaps that are informative. Mm. Ten seasons down the line, they'll have so many episodes to pull from that even the ones that aren't plot-driven will get a good recap. <laughs> yeah. Remember what this monster is? We're doing this monster again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, audience... Raise your hand if you also didn't notice until this episode that they keep using that one shot of the Impala driving where it's missing its headlight. I'm raising my hand. Yeah. Why, baby? Why are they, why do they abuse you this way? We open in Hibbing, Minnesota, a real place that we will see again in season 10. To yep. a young child watching TV, he hears a noise outside and disguises disguises disguises. <laughs> He disguises himself as a curtain so that he won't be discovered while he is voyeuring on this man. Ew. Um, he hears a noise outside and decides it's far more interesting to watch his neighbor take out the trash than watch TV. Lucky for us, since he witnesses the man get dragged under a car. This is... Such a weird scene. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this kid obsessed with Mr. Trash Person? He says he heard a weird noise. Okay, cool, you heard a weird noise. You look outside, and... Oh, guy's taking trash out. He must have made a weird noise. Okay, I'm gonna go back to watching my monsters on TV, because that's far cooler. But no, he keeps watching. Ugh. This kid is really lucky. He's lucky he saw this and reported it. Mm -hmm. Because he could have grown up to be food. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I also had the thought in this scene. Two thoughts, really. One, there's a whole person under that car already. Like, there is a full-grown man just chilling under a car, waiting for somebody to walk by so that him can grab by the ankles and pull a second person under a car. Yeah, how much room is under there? That's a lot of people under a car. 
<laughs> I mean, unless you're a monster truck with those big wheels, like, most cars are, you know, pretty low. Mm-hmm. My other thought was, these guys might not be that great at hunting, but they're very good trappers. They whisk this guy away without the kid saying anything other than a man disappearing into thin air. Yeah. And we'll see that their trapping skills far exceed their hunting skills in a later hunting scene. I mean, it depends on, like, how far back they've been doing this. We know the the head of the family. The head of the family. The paterfamilias. Yes. It's bonafide. He's a suitor. He's been doing it a long time, but I wonder, like, was his diddy and his diddy before <laughs> that? Diddy? Diddy? <laughs> Where is that from? <laughs> Squidbillies. Yes, yeah, Squidbillies. Do not touch the trio. <laughs> Alright, for the rest of this episode, we have to just call him Diddy. Can Diddy? 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 So we're panning down from above on two coughs, interviewing this child with his mother present because ding, 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 this is a good mom. Hallelujah. Yay. But wait, those aren't cops. Those are boys <laughs> in them good disguises. Such great costumes, such great fake out. <laughs> the mom doesn't want her child developing trauma over this by having to relive this fictional scenario he's invented his, in his head over and over again. But our good, good hunter boys insist, please tell us the story again. Sam uses his soft voice. It's okay. Sam uses his soft voice and his hat hair. Yeah. <laughs> Dean and the kid bond over Godzilla movies while Sam gives looks to Dean like, does this really matter? Is this really what is important here? As though Sam doesn't understand the need to bond with a victim or bond with a witness. Whatever. Dean being good with kids. Also, nerd alert. Dean being good with kids. Nerd and alert. A nerd. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> if we were to have the nerd alert going, Hannah, it would be just going off on the in the background of this entire show. Yes. <laughs> that should be our theme music. <laughs> wee woo wee woo. Nerd alert, nerd alert. So they bond and then the kid describes a whining, growling monster dragging his neighbor away. And the boys share the significant look of this is our kind of case. We've looked into less. I made note of that too. <laughs> I was like, we've looked into less. This is one of those. Yep. And real quick, maybe it was just me, but Sam, soft voice, intensely questioning this kid, he looked like the CSI Sam from Changing Channels. <gasps> so you say you saw a monster. <laughs> well, I say gutter ball. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait for the funny episodes. <laughs> I want the funnies. The boys are at their second favorite debriefing spot, the local watering hole. Dean plays the magically free darts game while Sam handles the paperwork, and they are wondering if this is their kind of case. 
must be right because it's marked in John's journal. And John never marks anything unless it's definitely supernatural, right? Right. Because John has never been wrong about that nope. before. Never. He's never come across natural cases. No way. And hey, Hibbing does lose a shit ton of people every year, more than any other county in the whole state. Wow. Ooh. So they decide to pick it back up in the morning, just to be sure. Sam wants to call it a night and wins that argument. He heads outside while Dean uses the bathroom. One county is always bound to have the most missing people. <laughs> this part actually made me think of Derry from It. I, I don't do horror. I especially don't do clown horror. I especially don't do clown and sewers horror. So do tell. How, how is this comparable? Edumacate me. Well, the town of Derry, every 27 years or so, would lose a bunch of people. And because of its influence on the town, it's kind of disregarded. One of the characters, Ben, he does all this research on the town and discovers, like, hey, a lot of kids go missing around here every 27 years and nobody seems to care. I think that's a little more of a flag, I think, than saying this is the state where people go missing the most every year. Because if it's consistent, you would just say, cops around here are pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah. Which brings up the question, what would the boys have done if this had been a regular kidnapping? I mean, yeah, they could leave it to the police, but obviously, if this is a regular kidnapping amongst many other regular kidnappings, the cops have been doing a piss-poor job. <laughs> Bad enough that they even think it's a supernatural problem to begin with. Right. I mean, I feel like just in, in this case, once they found out what was going on, they kind of still stepped in. I mean, they were already in Only it. Only because Sam was kidnapped. Yeah. We don't know what they would have done if... Well, I'm pretty sure that if they are made aware of a situation that they can help with, they're gonna. Mm. I mean, I feel like they lose some of that down the line mm -hmm. when things are bigger and more safety of the world, you know? I'm sure there's things that they leave to the side, but I don't know. I feel like this early on, yeah. I feel like they would help. I do like to think that when they're between cases and they come across the kitten stuck in the tree and, I don't know, thievery ring or something, they, they help out where they can. They trip up the guy running away with a stolen purse. Or a granny needs help crossing the street. You know Dean would help a granny cross the street. Yep. 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 They probably do a lot of repair work, fixing <laughs> flickering lights. We know Sam will. <laughs> Or at least tapping on fixtures. Outside, Sam hears a sound and is quick to whip out his flashlight. But it's only a cat. He laughs at himself, but we know something is up when our last shot of him is from under the car and of his feet. I, I wanted to point out, Sam gets scared by a cat. <laughs> and later down the line, in Yellow Fever, Dean gets scared by a cat. <laughs> <laughs> They're brothers. They're brothers. They're brothers. The brothers think the kitty's scary. <laughs> Dean comes out and realizes Sam is gone. He panics for a minute, even asking exiting bikers if they had been outside, before calming down enough to spot the security cameras. I, I love Dean's worried big brother face. He, I think in that moment, it's 
it's the first time that they have been unwillingly separated, mm-hmm. right? And he legit doesn't know where Sam is, and he's flashing back to times as a kid when Sam just ran away, and he is responsible. And he's responsible, right? But here it's escalated because they are actually supposedly dealing with something that kidnaps and kills people, and then in actuality does kidnap and kill people, but it's not supernatural. Neither here nor there. And he he goes into a full-fledged panic, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yeah. And it's undermined by the worst music. I thought the worst music was in Phantom Traveler when they're trying to exercise the demon on the plane. Oh no. Oh no. This was bad. Ugh. This this must this could be a difference of music, but I didn't notice anything off about the music. Well, listen to this clip and you'll understand how bad it is. Ah, yes, I see. <laughs> I, I see now. You are right. <laughs> and Hannah, yeah, you're gonna hate me for this, but I just feel like I have to point out that bar name, Kugel's Keg. It's like, it's so close to Kegels. It's Kegels Coog. Kegels Keg. Kegels Coog. Kegels Cooch. Uh, uh. Kegels. <laughs> no, Kugels is close to Cougars. Cougars Cooch? Oh, no. The Cougars no. Kegel? Stop it. <laughs> and, and don't you think that right about now Sam is really wishing that he had let Dean convince him to hang out for a little while longer? <laughs> yes, yes, but you know they say hindsight is twenty twenty or like forty. I was gonna say, shouldn't hindsight be like forty forty because that's superior sight, right? Yeah, I mean it's such a big number. <laughs> hindsight is a hundred, a hundred. It's like uncountable. It's uh, no, you're so sorry. I missed it. Hindsight is forty forty. It's the biggest number there is. You're right. <laughs> It's so high. I can't even count that high. Woo! It's like, I can just see into the universe. My hindsight is incalculable. (laughs) My hindsight's 40-40. Penetrates into every black hole. (laughs) Behind every door. I can see colors. (laughs) How far can you see? ITK, like 40? (laughs) Yeah. So the next day, Dean is pretending to be a cop again at our favorite police station set. It's a good one. I mean, it must be. They keep <laughs> they keep coming back to this one police station. I mean, he didn't have to drive all the way back to Wisconsin, but he was like, I know the quality cops are there. <laughs> so him is there to ask for the help of the local constabulary. To find his missing cousin, Sam Winchester. Our deputy, Kathleen, and forgive me if I don't know how to pronounce her last name, because her name is said once in this whole episode, but I'm going to say her name is Hudak. Like, Hudat. <laughs> deputy Hudat. Hudak. Our deputy Hudak. Or Hudak. Hudak. Hudak? No, I don't like that. I'm going to stick with Hudat. Okay. Deputy Hudat is happy to look Sam up, learning along the way that the brother Dean is a dead murderer. Jeez, interesting family. And Dean is so lucky there were not pictures attached (laughs) to these reports. Yeah. She gives Dean paperwork to do, but he has a better idea. Let's go look at the security cameras together. 
And she says, no, this is for me to do. But Dean's argument about how little success they've been having wins her over. I just love that Dean calls himself handsome. Bless him, sweet boy. My thought on that was he's describing himself as the black sheep of the family. And in a way, he kind of is because he's always seen this bond and connection between John and Sam that he never got to really be in on. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, he is like the black sheep, but he immediately defends himself because he has worth, damn it. He might not know that he has much, but he knows he's pretty. He does. And he's going to own it. He's pretty, damn it. Once they have the security footage, the only evidence they can find is a vehicle that has clearly been stolen. They make a few leaps in logic where they decide that stolen cars clearly mean stolen people. <laughs> of course, it makes sense to me. Yeah. A van that is in the process of dying passes by them, and the sound reminds Dean of the whining growl that the kid described. And he thinks to himself, another ghost truck? What? No, he does not. He says, well, I'll be damned. As though, like, shit, we just dealt with a ghost truck. What are the chances we have to do it again? <laughs> what other supernatural being drives a truck, Hannah? John Winchester. He ain't supernatural. The only supernatural beings that drive <laughs> trucks are ghosts. It's a ghost truck. It's a truck ghost truck. <laughs> truck ghost truck. <laughs> God, I love the squid billies. <laughs> Shut up, nuka one last quick thing. Mm. Besides the fact that they're keeping consistent with St. Louis murders. Thank you. This was the scene where I noticed Dean isn't wearing John's jacket. Aww. I didn't know. He's wearing like a much better... And I think that's why I didn't notice because suddenly his clothes fit. And it's just like, yes, Dean in fitting clothes makes so much more sense. Because like, I have seen more seasons of Dean in clothes that fit. <laughs> yes. Than seasons of Dean where clothes don't fit. So... You don't even notice at first. But yeah, he's wearing his blue outer jacket coat thing and not... Blue outer jacket coat thing. The one that goes down to his knees. I should get a blue outer jacket coat thing. Hey, blue outer jacket coat things are useful. Especially in damp climates such as this one that him is in now. Him is. Him is. Him so wet. Stop it. <laughs> you dirty bird. Sam wakes up somewhere in a cage too small for his growing moose sauna. Moosana. It's Sam in a box. <laughs> Sam in a box. Across from him in another cage is the missing neighbor, Alvin Jenkins. Jenkins describes their situation. Somewhere in the country, only come in to feed, mechanized locks, probably going to die. <laughs> I, I love Alvin Jenkins in this moment because Sam tells him, you know, well, I was looking for you. <laughs> Great job. I just I just feel like it's a, well, gee, thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like Alvin Jenkins in this moment because when Sam asks if he knows where they are, he says, it smells like the country. <laughs> just like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> um... Sir. Well, you know, the smell of grass and horse manure, you know, that that's the smell of the country. They don't have horses. They don't they have horses. They just smell like manure. They just smell like manure because that's what they use for camouflage when they're hunting. They use it as an exfoliant. Uh, <laughs> that's why their teeth are so brown. <laughs> they eat it. Ooh. They don't let any part of them go to waste. 
<laughs> we make use of every part of... <laughs> okay, no, moving on. <laughs> and also, in his like little whiny monologue, I can't remember what he said, but in my notes, I put, why does this guy assume it's a sex thing? Oh, this is where he references deliverance. Okay, because I don't know what deliverance is. It makes me think that just the word deliverance makes me think of the Prince of Egypt, but that's deliver us. Deliver us. What a great Uh, soundtrack. But yes, please tell me what deliverance is. So, Prince of Egypt, great movie. Deliverance, horrible movie that is somehow famous. And for people out there who love the movie, I'm sorry. I, I was forced to watch it for college and I hated it. It's about a group of guys who go on a man vacation. You know, we're going to go canoeing and do manly things. Live off the earth. And they go down to Georgia and they end up becoming like stalked slash hunted, whatever, by the local hill folk who are backwards. And it's where you get the famous banjo, the... I do know that. (laughs) Yes. And there is a scene where... The actor, Ned Beatty, his character, he gets trussed up like he's a pig, and he gets effed in the A by the local hill people. Hmm. So he, it's, it's a rape scene, and it's, it's terrible. And so our man Jenkins, he says, hill folk got me in a cage, like bondage style. This is going to be rape, like in Deliverance. All right, well, thanks for clearing that up for me. Don't ever watch Deliverance. Uh, yeah, I have no desire to. Sam witnesses one of the feeding moments later and is shocked to see that the monster they are facing isn't at all what they expected. Which is silly. They're just people. Why does he think this? Couldn't they still be vampires? Ghouls? Werewolves? Yeah, and plus they're like kind of wrapped up, you know, hiding their faces and whatnot. They're covered in hoods. That also brings to the question of why are they wearing hoods? Are they trying to incite fear in their future victims? Or are yeah, they Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a psychological play. Okay. Ploy? Ploy? Both. Ploy? Both. Ploy? Both is good. <laughs> so it's time to name that monster. Our monster this week is human cannibals. Yay! Yay! Now, I could have looked into just straight cannibalism and the supernatural side effects thereof, but this episode has drawn from two specific points of inspiration, one historical and one fictional. So you might be wondering, dear listener, why is this episode titled The Benders? If you look at the IMDb, you will see that the last name of the family is Benders, but it's never mentioned in this episode. (laughs) They don't really care about names in this episode. That that would have cleared that whole thing up if we just knew. Mm Mm-hmm. So why Benders? Why are they naming the episode after this family? Because there is a real-life family in history called the Benders. Oh. From the get-go. This family from the 1800s is unusual. No one to this day really ever knew or knows who they were, where they came from, or if they were even actually related. The older Mr. and Mrs. Bender seemed to be married, 
and the two younger benders were supposedly brother and sister, but some thought they were married. And the older two barely spoke English, supposedly. Mrs. Bender was super mean and rude to everybody, and had supposedly killed a bunch of husbands by whom she had like five million children, so many rumors surrounding them. The younger man, Mr. Bender, or Bender Jr., was attractive, but it seems people got the impression that he was mentally disabled. And then the young Miss Bender was somewhat the most normal of them all, but she claimed to have supernatural powers and would advocate for free love in her seances and consultations, which would be uncomfortable for some still now and straight wackadoo back in those days. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's just a brief intro into this weird family dynamic and their place in the community. They lived in Kansas in the 1800s, and they ran an inn of sorts there. People started going missing in the general area, and sometimes bodies would be found with similar injuries. That sort of thing. It was so bad that lots of travelers would try and avoid that area in Kansas. It wasn't until a friend of a doctor went missing that things broke bad. Because the doctor looked into it, why his friend went missing, but then he went missing, and then people started looking for the doctor... You can see where this is going. No, tell me. People kept looking for their missing friend, and they went missing, so other people went looking for their missing friend, and they went missing. It was a chain of missing people. Oh, Anyways, okay. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I actually legitimately recommend that people go to the Wikipedia page for the Bloody Benders. It's such an interesting read. I'm leaving so much information out, and this is still probably the longest named that monster section. Netflix should do, like, a documentary on them. There there might be. I don't know. It's I would watch a documentary on them. It's so weird, Handy. You have to go read all this. Anyways, the Benders ran away because it was just getting too hot. Like, not temperature-wise, but we might get caught and arrested-wise. The property was investigated, and a bunch of bodies were found. And now, to this day, no one can be certain really why or how the Benders were killing but from evidence and testimony of people who survived visiting the inn, <laughs> i.e. they got creeped out and ran away before anything happened, it seemed like they killed for just the thrill of it. <laughs> and their method was for the guys to hide behind a curtain next to the guest seat at the dinner table and bash their head from behind. Sound familiar? That does sound familiar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, here's the other freaky thing. They ran away, right? Mm -hmm. They were never actually found. Not for certain. The detectives of the time were able to trace them to a point where they had split up and gone separate ways. But after that, no. There were, like, arrests and there were suspicions. But there was no way to prove because it wasn't like photography was the biggest thing back then. And, you know, not for your everyday person. So the only people who knew what they looked like were the townsfolk and some of the people who'd been investigating. But we live in a very big country. So, anyways... That's the Benders. Yeah, so, like, they could have, you know, gone anywhere and shacked up with anybody, and so now their descendants are all up out there in the world, mucking up the gene poison. Shit, there might be some baby Benders out there still murdering. Yeah. We don't know. Oh, actually, that's, ugh, that's really fucking creepy. Ugh. Anyways, now these people, they weren't eating or hunting the people they killed. So where did that aspect of this story come from? Well, Hannah, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> now that comes from a short story by Richard Connell, The Most Dangerous Game, published <gasps> in 1924. Really? Really. Because I read that book, and this episode always made me think of that book. Well then, Hannah, you might be bored by my quick summation 
of the story. It makes me happy. Go on. In this story, a big game hunter is off on a hunting trip heading to South America. Circumstances land him stranded on an island where he meets a pair of men who live there. They are also hunters, but who have grown bored with the predictability of hunting animals. So, they give the people who land on their island three days to survive the hunt, after which they would be freed. No one has made it yet, so our protagonist hunter must put all his skills to use to survive the three days. Which, duh, of course, he does. <laughs> It seems like every I've grown bored of animals, humans are the best to hunt story can trace its inspiration back to this original short story, which I also recommend giving a look-see. Interesting stuff. It is a pretty good story. So, in summation, humans are fucked up creatures. And that concludes Name That Monster! this monster is. What we gonna do about it? Well, Dean and Deputy Hudak are on the road, tracking where that stolen vehicle could have gotten to. A report comes back on Dean's badge number, and Hudak learns that it's a stolen number. Dean is found out. He begs to not be turned in yet because Sam's life is depending on him. Hudak almost doesn't listen, but a picture of her family she keeps in her visor reminds her of something we don't know yet. She agrees to only arrest him after they find Sam. So generous. One, she shouldn't be using her freaking laptop while she's driving. Yes, thank you. That was going to be my first comment. Good. But is that is that normal? Do all cops tappy-tap while driving? Because if so, I have quite a few arrests I want to make. <laughs> Citizens arrest. Citizens arrest. Stop tapping on your police devices while you should be driving. And seriously, she... Is a lovely, kind-hearted woman for giving him some leniency here because he is straight up breaking the law right in front of her. Also, Hannah, mm. if one brother of the Sam Winchester is accused of murdering and here you have a man impersonating a police officer also connected to Sam, would you not think, hmm, crime runs pretty strong in this family. I might not be safe right now. We might be going to rescue a Sam, whom is a murderer himself. Because we see later in this episode, the Benders get really broken up and emotional about, about each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're hurting my family. That's not cool. I don't like that. And and they're 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 freaking evil. <laughs> it's uh, no. Uh, it's it's just like I fuck brain dumb. Brain dumb. <laughs> you know who else's brain is dumb? Silly Dean. His first instinct when he's caught in a lie is just lie harder, lie harder. Yeah, lie I get that Michael Jackson skin disease. <laughs> what the fuck, Dean? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, but uh, Dean's got his own soft voice because he's doing this whole confessional to her. Please, he's my family. He has his big brother voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to cry. You gotta take care of a brother. Meanwhile, back in the barn of cages, <laughs> Sam uses the hate of nicknames. <laughs> he hates nicknames so much that he uses that power to yank a conveniently dangling something. I don't know. Shower cord. Well, this is the first time we hear him tell someone else not to call him Sammy. 
We've heard him say it to Dean, mm -hmm. but now he's saying it to somebody else. Who ignores him and later calls him Sammy again. Yeah, because Jenkins is a dick. And is it normal, as a grown-ass adult, speaking to another grown-ass adult, to just immediately infantilize their name? No, it's it's not normal, and it's too personal. Mm -hmm. I get that we're both in a dire situation, but you ain't gotta bond that much with me. Back the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That would be like if I were in a hostage situation and there was someone else there, and they were like, well, it's gonna be okay, Hannah Beth, and I'd be like, who the fuck? Are you? Don't call me that. <laughs> Why are you calling me Bessie? Only, only my mama, only my mama calls me Han Hannah Beth. Anyways, he yanks something off the ceiling, and he earns a bracket. Yay. <laughs> Yay. We can do things now. We have a bracket. Sam likes brackets. <laughs> he collects them. Metal brackets, gambling brackets, other kind of bracket. <laughs> <laughs> so just then, Jenkins' cage door opens, and he thinks it's a short in the electricity that only affected him, thanks to Sam's yanking. Thanks, Sam. Sam says, no, this is probably a trap. <laughs> And Alvin says, fuck it. And Leroy Jenkins! His way to freedom. I do like that he said, you know, he would send somebody back for Sam. Whether or not he... But was he... I don't know that he would have, but... I don't know that he would have either. He spent zero time trying to see if he could also potentially get Sam out, so... Yeah. Outside, it's raining and muddy. And he just happens to spot a knife. Just... On the ground, in the mud, camouflaged, and he says, Sweet, this is totally normal for a knife to be on the ground. Thank you, universe, for providing me with a knife. <sighs> and he heads into the forest, instead of the road. <laughs> we quickly see him beset by at least two guys who hunt him down and kill him. I don't want to go into the specifics because, honestly, this is the genuine scariest thing for me. Just out of my nightmares. Humans are the worst. Give me ghosts and vampires any day of the fucking week. Because they're not real. Humans are actually fucking real. Ugh. Alright. I did like, though, that, one, they set up a bunch of traps, right? Yeah. Like, they make it look, they make it look like they're giving him a fair shot, giving him the knife, and a bit of a head start. But it's almost as if they know where he's going to run, and they surround him. Yeah, they... yeah, when I saw the tripwire, I was like, that's cheating. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're better trappers than they are hunters. Yeah. However, I would argue you can't make the hunt too hard because then if, one, they kill you, that's kind of bad for you. And two, if they escape, that's also kind of bad for you. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a fail-safe wherein you can always win just to protect your own patootie. And so you can keep the game going. And keep the game going. Jenkins is not a smart man. No. Take you, feed you, free you is not a good combo. No. No, it never is. <laughs> he And he isn't a bad fighter, necessarily, for someone who's been fattened up, in a way, mm -hmm. the last few days. But he's not smart enough to hide. It's raining. Your tracks are going to be washed away. It's dark. You're in camouflaged colored clothing. He's wearing brown. <laughs> Just climb up a tree and chill. Yeah. I think if I were kept in a cage and just fed and my cage was opened, 
my first thought would be, you want me to run. Yeah. This is too easy. Mm -hmm. What's the catch? Exactly. And if I had ran, and I had chosen the forest and not the road, and I chose not to hide, and these people are clearly toying with me because they enjoy the chase, there's no point in running. No. Granted, alright, let's be fair. You and I are sitting back in the comfort of our warm homes, and we are calm and not panicked. Or desperate. I don't know what I would do. Desperation. It makes you not think clearly. No. Last time I was in danger, I left my dog and phone behind. Another time I was super scared, I ran back into the house and accidentally locked my wife outside. Uh, I remember that time that you drove over a ditch and I was like so scared that I was just frozen in my seat and my friend had to lean over me to open my door and she like pushed me out and we all went running and we'd all just left my other friend to sleep in the back seat of the car. Your one friend had just slept through everything. <sighs> but see, see, people always talk about fight or flight. They always talk about that as the the only two. They never talk about fight, flight, or sleep. Well, <laughs> yes, sleep. But I was going to say freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze is a fear response. So, like, that's my go-to. You are a deer. Not that great at running. I'm too much of a pacifist to fight. But I will get so scared that I just don't move. Like, maybe if I just, like, perfectly still, they'll know I'm not a threat. That's not a bad uh, strategy, really. really. The other day, my wife asked me what I would do if I came across a bear in the woods. <laughs> it it was relevant. Yeah. And my first instinct was, stay very, very still. Yeah, same. <laughs> just, just don't fucking move. Like, I'm very much of the mindset that, like... If I leave you alone, you'll leave me alone. Unless they're hungry. Unless they're hungry. And then and, and then at that point, it's just the food chain, so. <laughs> so it's just my time to go. It's just, it's, it's just Obviously. Me. So Hudak and Dean didn't get anywhere in their research the night before. For it is now the next day and they have coffee. It was night and now it's day. Hudak divulges that she feels personally involved because her brother went missing, so she understands Dean. Question. Mm. Who bought the coffee? She did. You think? Hmm. I do. Reasons. He's kind of in her custody right now. Right, so why would she be doing him any favors? Because she's di about to divulge to him <laughs> her, you know, her trauma. So, I don't know, it's a good opener. Here, let me buy you a coffee and tell you my life story. Ugh. I found that very weird, just in general. Well, she could buy him coffee! No, absolutely, she could buy him coffee. And you know what? You've sold me a little bit. He's in her responsibility, and it's up to her to make sure that he gets good treatment mm -hmm. while he's in her custody. So I can see her buying him a coffee. I can see him offering because he's in trouble and he wants to get into her good graces. As we see when he says in this conversation, I don't want to press my luck, which is like a Dean theme this episode, because he says it later. It's weird. Mm -hmm. It's... Not a thing I feel he says a lot, but maybe? I don't know. Maybe? But it was such a weird place to have a scene, because 
They're driving down the road at nighttime. Suddenly, we have a 60-second scene in daylight over coffee where she just bears her soul for him. And then immediately, they're, then they're back on the road again, searching for Oh, her. man, I just had a weird thought. Because I made note saying, bonding between Dean and cop lady that isn't of a sexual nature. But then now the way that you're talking about that, it's like they spent the night together. But nothing on screen would lead us to believe that, except that they got coffee together. You're right. Oh my god. If Why? there been any flirtation? Okay, but that brings up a good question. Where did Dean sleep that night? Did she take him back to her house? Because she said she's not going to arrest him. Clearly, he's not been arrested. She wanted to keep an eye on him. <laughs> did she chain him to yes. her guest room bed? Yes. <laughs> not chain, sorry, cuff. <laughs> I mean, the, the sexual implication is still there. D what... Did they have dinner together? Weird. That is weird because, like, he's obviously, he's obviously flirty in so many other situations. And then in this one, there he's not flirty. He's, you know, very much concerned about his brother and that's all he cares about. But then... Well, you have hmm. to imagine this scenario the night before. At a certain point, it's raining, it's dark, it's muddy. You're not making any progress. Might as well go home and get some sleep and start during the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dean puts a, b a bit of a fight because he doesn't want to stop looking, period. Right. But she's the boss of the scenario, so they go back to her home, and they have food together, and potentially talk, maybe, until she cuffs him and says goodnight. What about if he has to use the bathroom in the middle of the night? <sighs> so... So weird. I like this strange headcanon. Yeah, and then they choose the next morning. I guess at the next morning, she feels, okay, you've eaten my food, you've slept in my house, I uncuffed you to go pee. <laughs> hey, Kathleen! Kathleen! Hey, Kathleen! <laughs> hey, Ka Ka Kathy? I need to hit the can. It explains why they're on a first-name basis. Yes! But she still doesn't know what his real name is mm -hmm. because he can't tell her it's Dean. <laughs> no, because Dean's dead. Dean's dead and a murderer. This is such a weird scenario. Yeah. All right, listeners, we leave this up to you to write this fanfic scenario and send it our way. Yes. Give us Hudak Dean fanfiction. Not not who dat slash Dean, just who dat plus Dean. Friends dealing with a scenario. I mean, unless you want to see. Hey, I didn't say slash fic. I mean, unless you want to, I'm not. I'm not against it. I'll read it. I just didn't feel that vibe in this episode. But she's cool. He's cool. Yeah. 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 That's all I have to say. But let's get back to the show on hand. <laughs> <laughs> back on the road, they finally find a road. This must be the road. The only way to invest. The only road. <laughs> the only road I've ever known. Uh, the only way to investigate this road is to park and go on foot. Yep. Hudak insists that the civilian, who might also be a felon and potential murderer, stay behind with the car. <laughs> 
Dean argues his case. She makes him shake to promise and cups him once she has his hand in hand. <laughs> once she has his hand in hand. And this is the last time Dean falls for this, right? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Dean is left handcuffed to a locked car as she walks off down the road. This is where we finally learn her first name, Kathleen, halfway through the episode. I hate how this show treats women sometimes. In fact, I would say most of the time. You have a good point. One, he could have stopped her from pulling him back over to the car. Because they had walked away from the car a bit, then she cuffed him, and then she pulled him back over to the car. He could have easily stopped her. Hmm. Maybe she pulled some judo moves that he's not aware of? No, I think he was being a gentleman. A gentleman whose brother is going to die. No. If one of my siblings is potentially going to die, there's no Lady Kindle. It's bestial feral Kindle. Yeah. I just thought it was weird because uh, he totally could have overpowered her. Yeah, you're so right. Maybe he didn't want to beat up his only ally and he thought he could talk her back on the way to the car and then he didn't yeah. time. That's what I mean. Like, he was being a gentleman. He was trying to choose the nonviolent way of not getting... Well, also the I'm stronger with you helping me yes. than by myself method. Pudak follows the road to a farm that feels empty, sees the stolen vehicle, so it must be the right spot then. Knocking on the door, a little girl named Missy answers, disarming Hudak. Now, when you put disarming Hudak, I <laughs> I was I meant like emotionally and mentally, not physically. <laughs> surprised her. Took her by surprise. Because disarming her was like Missy just like knocked her gun away. Ha yeah. yeah. Missy has the true judo skills in this episode. Oh yeah. Missy's the wild one. The child looks neglected and is implying that her parents are dead, so that's enough to call child services. Mm-hmm. Hudak doesn't get far though because she gets clobbered from behind by a shovel. Cannibal dad tells cannibal daughter to go round up her brothers. Wait, Hannah. Ah. Uh. Hannah. Cannibal Diddy? Cannibal Diddy? <laughs> so, I have to admit, the whole time she's walking up, all I could think was, this is a really empty farm. Yeah. Shouldn't they have some animals? Where are all the animals? Until Missy opened the door and I went, oh, right, they eat the other white meat. <laughs> <sighs> they don't need animals. <laughs> I noticed that, you know, when we see her walking... We, we see her back, okay, and she's walking. She's got her hand yeah. over her holster, over her gun. Uh-huh. Her holstered gun, if you will. <laughs> but then yes. when the camera is the other way and we see her walking up the stairs, you know, we see her face, she's, she's not holding her gun anymore. And I'm like, no, no, you're even more threatened, you know, on the porch than you were just walking in the road. I guess, but maybe you don't want to be seen holding your gun as the door opens. I can understand that. Okay, yeah, good point. You got me. What bothered me with this scene was, I feel like this is a small town. It has a small town vibe to mm -hmm. it. If only because when Sam says he saw a motel, he saw a motel five miles back. So, small place. Yeah. So you'd think that the police force would be aware that this place exists 
and of the people on it or something? I mean, I would have to think they must or be... have some sort of census record? Like, I, I, I would have to think that they're, like, I don't know, off the grid or something, because, like, the way that girl is, like, she she doesn't go to school. You know she doesn't go to school. She does not. And there's no reason to believe that they have homeschooled her. I'm pretty sure the state just doesn't know of her existence at all. So say they've homeschooled her, but what she has learned is quite different <laughs> from ABC's one, two, three. Yeah, she's been learning the wrong kind of family business. I love this character. I love how she is fascinated by the shiny sheriff badge or deputy badge. Mm-hmm. I love her runny nose. <laughs> I love the way she is a that little smirk before her dad her daddy. Daddy? Knocks Hudat over the head. Ah, ah, I love this character mm-hmm. and how this actress plays her. And we will see this actress again. Mm-hmm. Her name is Alexia Fast, and she is Dean's future baby. Yes. In the Amazon episode. Yes, she is. Yep. I, I always forget that Dean is a father. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Oh, he would be so happy to be a daddy. He would be such a good daddy. He'd be such a good daddy. <laughs> so the cannibal brothers are sent to collect the cop car. And this forces Dean to hurry to get out of the cuffs. <laughs> Dean's struggle here has been gifted so many times on Tumblr. It's the most famously abused scene of Dean straining. Yes, if- yes, because there's one where like it shows him straining and then the caption is like, find Cass in this picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> As the cannibal brothers around the corner, Dean is just mysteriously gone. He's so fast. He's so fast, and he's so smart because he took the cuffs with him. But the mm-hmm. show is so bad, Hannah. Because the show showed us Dean uncuffing his hand just as our cannibal brothers were approaching. But they did not show us him also trying to unlock the top cuff. <laughs> yeah. Tisk 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 is all I have to say. Back in the barn of cages. Barn of cages. Salmon, who dat meet? Who dat is kicking herself because she left her one ally behind, handcuffed to a car. A person enters the barn, but luckily it's a good boy and not a cannibal. Yeah. Dean teases Sam for getting caught by people, but is clearly glad to have gotten there in time. Yeah. The next few minutes hurt because they speak in code so badly. I'm sorry, did you say something? And they appear so psychotic (laughs) while Dean tries to figure out how to open the cages. He also lets them know that he's figured out that they take the cars of the people that they kidnap. So Houdat asks about a black Mustang, and yes, that's her missing brother's car. And it's there. So, R.I.P. Houdat brother. Nevertheless, clearly needing a key. Dean has to go off in search of one. We already mentioned Dean and kids, but hey, Dean and cars. I would have never noticed a black 10-year-old Mustang. She would have asked me, black Mustang about 10 years old? I would have said, there were some black cars. Same. Yes. Same. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a black one. It was pretty rusty. Does that make it 10 years old? (laughs) Yeah. And also in the scene, I noticed that they took away her uniform for some reason, and they took her hair down. Maybe they wanted some more bobby pins for Missy? 
Weird. Yeah, weird. Weird. So Dean is off searching for a key, and so he's going back to the main house, and he seems to have entered through the cellar. He finds jars of body parts and photos of the same two men over and over again in camo with a variety of dead people. And he just goes, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what they're doing. Well, huh. I, I, weird. I liked it. He said, yikes, at the pickled people parts. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Pickled people parts, pickled people parts, pickled pickle parts. Pickled people parts, pickled people parts, pickled people parts, pickled people parts. People heart. Damn it. And, uh... Photos with dead people like hunters pose with deer. Mm-hmm. Every hunter likes the trophies, right? Yeah. I don't get it, maybe, but people who like killing things do. And Dean dogs on humans and elevates demons above them in this moment as though demons wouldn't pull this shit too. Well, he says demons I get. Which is bullshit. That's their usual gig and I'm like, dude, you only have one demon under your belt. Don't go getting a big head. Just wait. Exactly. They've only dealt with Uno Demano so far. Demons I get. No, you, you, you don't understand. Not yet. You don't get. And just a few episodes, he was saying dude, demons they just do evil just because. Willy-nilly. No cause. No reason. You can't predict them. But now he's saying demons are more rational than humans. No. And I want to slap him. Also, Mr. Jensen Ackles, he loves those small gags. Mm -hmm. He make me happy with them small gags when he shine that flashlight in his eye for no reason. He make me happy. He make me laugh. <laughs> him sweet boy. Uh, he heads upstairs, and he is able to find the keys that he wants while the man in the room is distracted sawing something in the sink. And at this point, Dean is thinking, Dear? <laughs> what? How? Dean is bad at math. Math is hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but this is logical math that you should be able to put together. <laughs> Anyways, he's about to get away. But he's distracted by teeth in a jar, which gives Missy time to walk up on him. And again, disarmed by the presence of a child. Oh, child, you will never hurt me, so I will also not hurt you. He tries to reassure her, but she yells, Daddy! And throws a knife at him. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the cannibal brothers come running to fight Dean, and the fight is actually pretty even. Until Cannibal Deity pulls his conk move once more and knocks Dean out from behind. I just, I love that Dean's like, I'm gonna kick your ass, and then I'm gonna kick your ass. And he would've too. He would've. He would've. I have quite a few things to ponder in this moment here. One, Deity sure did take his time showing up. Like, he took his time to wash his hands, clean off, trusting that his boys and Missy could handle whatever intruder this was. And it made me think, do cannibals ever have to worry about bloodborne illnesses? I, I don't think they uh, factor that in, no. I don't think he was using gloves or any <laughs> Should sort they of... worry about it? Yes. Do they? I don't think so. The question is, once you cook or cure the human flesh, say a virus that we know is incurable, the, say that the HIV virus is present, 
does cooking it kill the HIV virus? Is it redundant to say HIV virus? Is the V in HIV for virus? V is for virus. No way to know. Well, because I, I don't know what... Literally unknowable. I don't know what the I is, but I know with HPV, that's human papillomavirus. So HIV is also a virus. <laughs> okay. So... Does cooking the human kill the virus? I mean, these are good questions to ask yourself, listener, if you are considering becoming a cannibal. It's just one of those things you got to well, think about. Well, because, I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about because we know that to date there isn't a cure for HIV. If, mm-hmm. if cooking the blood and tissue and muscle kills the virus, then that's not very helpful to people who have it. <laughs> no, it's not a cure. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a cure, I would say. <laughs> I did. I had a few things also to say about the house. One, love the wind chime. Mm. I could see people who are not cannibals owning wind chimes out of bones. Hopefully synthetic. And these cannibals, they like a little light piano jazz. It's some good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. However, this house is a mess. Nobody cares about being adults and cleaning. And I, I am a messy person. I, you know, can pause and look around and say, oh, I should really clean. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but I at least occasionally pause and clean. It looks like these people have not done anything except they're hoarders. They're human body part hoarders, is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Also, did you recognize this house? No. I mean, it is familiar, and I, I know they reuse a lot of sets, but no, I didn't recognize it from something specific. This is Uncle Bobby's future home. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yep. Thank you, Whichever trivia site I pulled this from, Wikia, Supernatural Wikia, or IMDb, I don't know. That's great. But this is, they will reuse this set and clean it up, add some more books, and add some more circles, (laughs) and some more whiskey, and this will be Mr. Bobby Singer's home. Yay. Yeah, so we'll be here again, and a lot. Have you noticed in the latest seasons, like once they find the bunker... They don't go back to Bobby's house no more. No, they probably, you know, just grabbed whatever was left there. But wouldn't that be a good safe house? Yes. When when in the area? I'm just saying. Dean wakes up tied to a chair. The cannibals do the whole evil monologuing bit while trying to find out how much the outside world knows about Dean and Hudak. 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 A missing cop is a little harder to hide. When Dean doesn't cooperate, despite some light fire torture... Candidy <laughs> makes him choose who will be hunted tonight. It's a fake out, though, as he sends one of his canned sons to just shoot them both. I love so much about this scene. Yes. Let me just go down the list. I freaking love Missy. <laughs> She's so on board. This is what our scarecrow girl should have been. Yes. Just a brainwashed little child who is ready to cut a bitch up. Also, the only reason I can rationalize all these brown teeth is they are drinking water with too much fluoride. The only thing I can think of is that these people don't bathe and they don't brush their teeth. Ever. 
Why? Uh, because they are, all of them, mentally ill. And so personal hygiene is one of the many things that gets neglected when you are mentally ill. That's a very fair point. Hmm. I usually associate that with things like depression and not just psychotic <laughs> tendencies. Uh, next, this this is not the last time Dean says eat me to some human eaters. <laughs> we never see that burn scar again, boo. Yeah, I love Dean's smart mouth through all of this. Well, except that he makes a lot of typical inbred hick jokes. Yes, but I just, I love that, you know, he's in a dire situation and he's still cracking wise with his captors. When they hold the iron rod that's uh, smoldering, it's hot, it's red hot. Anyway, when... The the red hot iron? Yeah, yeah, the red hot iron. When he held it up to Dean's face, like really close to his eye, and Dean's just like wide-eyed looking at it, that thing is so freaking hot it would have been burning his retina that close and like he wouldn't have been able to hold his eye open because reflexively, you know, he would have closed his eyes. Yeah, but when someone's got a poker that close to your eyeball, do you really want to squint and (laughs) look away in that last instant? I don't know. You you gotta protect your eyes, man. You want to be ready to protect your eye? I don't know. No, but I understand. Yeah. Yeah. He should be a lot more hurt than he is. And the whole monologuing part did make me think. They have, as far as we've seen, the two cages in our barn of cages. So they say they kidnap once or twice a year, which would make you think that they only have one person at a time. So why do they have two cages? So potentially they kidnap once or twice a year and only hunt once a year. Yeah, they can keep people for up to a long time. (laughs) Up to. (laughs) Up to. Up to two. Up to a certain point. So maybe they were just like super fucking eager to hunt Leroy Jenkins. And at this point, literally all I could think is you have three extra humans on your hands now that you need to kill quickly. You have so much meat you need to cure or let go to waste. Ugh, such a waste of meat. Mm-hmm. Is that sick of me? <laughs> I don't even care. I'm not one to judge. <laughs> In the barn of cages, can sun still rolling? Keep rolling. Kansan ignores his Diddy's advice to leave them in the cages, so Sam is able to fight back. We cut back to Candid Diddy's and company hearing several gunshots being fired. The question is, who got shot? When his son doesn't answer his hollers, Candiddy and second son go to investigate, leaving Missy alone with Dean. Holy shit, I'm surprised Dean's alive. He was left alone with a killer child. (laughs) Yes. Dean picked Sam because he has more faith in Sam's fighting ability. But of course, you know, them being the bad guys, they switch it up. I think it's interesting that after he overpowers Kansun and he like picks up the guy's rifle, it's jammed. And so he throws the rifle down. And I'm like, you could still beat somebody with a jammed rifle. Like, that's still a weapon. It is still a weapon. And if you can go hide off in the corner, maybe you can unjam it real quick. Yeah. I, I don't know how guns work mechanically, but... Something like that. It was Santa reason. Right? 
I still don't understand how Sam and his singular bracket were able to throw Kansun off so badly <laughs> that he couldn't shoot Sam. Sam is very lucky. Yeah. It, it's, it's supernatural Sammy powers. It's supernatural Sammy powers. And yeah, poor Dean. Dean has scars from Missy. You can't convince me otherwise. Oh, no, of course. And I love that Dean was teasing Sam for being overpowered by some humans, and yet mm -hmm. Dean was overpowered, too. Just pointing that out. Technically, at that point, it was definitely four on one. <laughs> yeah, but how many on one was it for Sam? And he was probably jumped from behind, too. Two on one? But it wasn't under the car fight, and I don't think Sam's been trained in underneath car fights. And clearly, our cannibals are adept at underneath car fights. Yes. Yeah. So, Daddy and his other cannibal son need to go fix this, right? Mm -hmm. So, they enter the barn, and they're looking to see, all right, where's my other son? Where's my brother? And him already knocked out and in a cage. And their other prisoners are out. So, they've got it actual hunt on their hands. So now the hunters become the hunted by the other hunters and, and vice versa. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> Just a lot of hunting of hunters by hunters. Yes. You would think that they would be excited and joking back and forth, oh, we got ourselves a hunt this time. But no, because truth is they never actually liked a real hunt. They liked a stage hunt. They just like killing humans. Yeah, because this hunt is not on their terms. Exactly. So it's no longer okay. This hunt is more like the hunt from the short story, The Dangerous Game, wherein mm -hmm. other people are allowed to build traps. Speaking of, our awesome Deputy Hudat fakes going into a cabinet and tricking our can son into wasting a lot of bullets Firing at some cabinets. Smart lady. Mm hmm And then she jumps down on top of him and starts to wrestle from behind. He throws her off and is about to shoot her as Sam, who was dodging our can daddy, runs in and goes, Hey! <laughs> and I don't think Sam planned this, but he was being chased by daddy, so when he ducks as Ken's son is going to fire... Can son ends up shooting his own daddy. Oh no, daddy! Haha, <laughs> shot your own dad. <laughs> and his sadness is all the pause Sam needs. Take him out too. And Sam figures that, alright, fight's done. Even though Ken daddy was only shot in the shoulder and still has a gun, I'm just gonna stand here dramatically for a few moments. <laughs> because television. We cut to a few minutes later. Houdette has the gun on Ken Daddy, and Sam has now locked both brothers in the cage. Houdette says she's good. She's got Ken Daddy. Go ahead, tie up the rest of the case. Go find your cousin. And also maybe lock up the crazy child, whom <laughs> is also murderous. Sam goes, but he is fully aware that he is leaving this unarmed human in the care of a vengeful woman. Mm-hmm. But conveniently, Mr. We shouldn't kill humans because they're redeemable just sits in the back seat and Sam walks off to go 
see about his brother. And sure enough, she confronts Candiety about her missing brother, and he talks shit. And what's the phrase about talk shit, get hit? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Yeah. Well, our scene cuts with the sound of a gunshot to the boys exiting the house and meeting Hudat in the yard. And according to her, Candiety tried to escape, so she had to shoot him, obviously. I, I just love the looks on their faces. They're like, they have this moral high ground over killing mm-hmm. a human, given not only Dean wanting to kill Max, but all that other gray area they wade through in later seasons. Hold up. Dean wanting to kill Max, and Dean also wanting to kill the wife, I can't remember her name, in Faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dean has on more than one occasion been willing to kill humans who are doing evil things and killing other humans. Dean is all for the death sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he really is. And Sam has been very anti-death death sentence. But in this moment... Neither of them are surprised, but both of them are like, "Oh, we're so disappointed in you. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm a little disappointed too, because she's she's presented as such a by-the-book cop. You know, I'm only going to let you find your cousin, but after you find your cousin, I'm arresting you. Yeah. Which even then, that's not by-the-book. She's shown to be a very off-the-book kind of cop. But they want you to see her as a by-the-book cop. And in this moment when she should be erring on the side of justice and a trial by a jury of your peers, etc., etc., she lets her baser instincts take over, I guess. And that is kind of disappointing because we all hope that we would rise above Yeah, that kind of emotion. Anyways, <laughs> the other cops have been called. They're all coming, and she tells them they ought to skedaddle, which is, again, very off the book by her. (laughs) So she cuts them a break by letting them walk, but she's not going to do them any favors either. (laughs) They have to walk. We do get our second, I don't mean to push our luck, Dean. (laughs) Oh, it makes me roll my eyes. It makes me want to just scratch my eyeballs out. Stop pushing your luck. And Dean gives a final apology about her brother, and she lets them know that she doesn't have closure, really, but, you know, it's what she's got. And we fade out as the boys walk down a dirt road, Sam teasing Dean for letting a child get the drop on him. Well, like, uh, they have this little conversation where Sam was like, you were worried about me. And Dean's like, well, don't expect me to come looking for you again. And I'm like, bullshit, Dean, you will always look for Sam. Well, duh, we all know that. Sam knows that. It did make me think, though, surely, surely Sam gets genuinely kidnapped again. Oh, the Britishman of letters definitely Mm -hmm. kidnapped Sam. God, that was, that was difficult. That was some brutal torture scenes. Yeah. When else does Sam get kidnapped? Hmm. I mean, the the one thing that's coming to mind, he wasn't kidnapped, but he wasn't supposed to leave that room when he when he lost the rabbit's foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the there is the uh ah oh, shit, the vampire hunter. Gordon. Yeah, Gordon takes Sam. Gordon. Yeah. Okay. So we have some kidnappings in our future, and Dean always looks for his brother. One could even say being no, he didn't look for Sam when he was in hell. Never mind. But he did research ways to get him out. He was, he tried. True, true. He did not give up. He did not give up. Did Hudat's scene at the end when she's talking about 
having answers and it not making any better, did that not make you tear up and hurt? Yeah. Ugh. Because, I mean, you spend so much time wondering, and Mm -hmm. you think if you could just find out that that would make it better, but... No, I mean, she found out, and she got her revenge. She she got two things that most people, you know, with a missing family member never get, and it's still not okay because her brother is still dead. He's still gone. And he died in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. She wasn't given a lot as an actress to do until this moment, and in this moment, she killed it. Yeah, I really Ugh. liked Kathleen. So good. I think you mean, who that? I loved Hudak. Hudak? Hey, Hannah, I think we have quite a few themes that we can discuss. So, music, drumroll, take us into themes. I have so many themes. I am so proud of you. I think I have a record amount of themes. Alright, well, you go through all of your themes, and whatever I thought of that you didn't, we'll cover then. Okay. Uh, human bad guy, family-focused case, mm-hmm. Dean being good with kids, mm-hmm. bad rescue mission, uh-huh. costumes, uh-huh. being separated, ah. teaming up with law enforcement, Yes. torture, Ooh. and as recently as our just conversation, being kidnapped. Very true. So I only gotten three of those. Those are all very consistent themes. <laughs> that was like ten. <laughs> It's like wow. ten themes. Applause. I am curious, when you say bad rescue mission case, you mean one of them was kidnapped and they have to try and rescue the other? I mean, like, their first attempt at rescuing someone didn't work out. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, my themes... So, you and I had some quite a few overlaps. I had... Single layer Sam. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we got some sexy, almost naked with a single layer Sam. I-, I mean, for the Winchesters, that's basically naked. It is, really. This isn't a theme I've been keeping track of as well as I could be, but drinks? They were having some beers. Ah. Yeah. And I was going back and looking through some stuff, and they also had some drinks in, in-, in the skin, so... Yes, they do. We've, we've missed we've missed the drink theme here and there, but it's going to become. I, I think it will behoove us to keep track of well, the Kindle, Kindle, quantity okay. of their drinking. It's okay. You want to know why? Why? Because we're not experts. <laughs> we're sisters. Exactly. Being sisters does not in any way make us supernatural experts. Another theme: Dean and cars. Yeah, because he knew yep. the Mustang. He just supernaturally recognized that there was a 10-year-old black Mustang in that whole slew of cars. Yeah. <laughs> My other theme was, Tim boys all tied up. Yes. All tied up. And my only other theme was cannibals. <laughs> yes, cannibals are yes. a theme. We have two episodes with cannibals so far, and there will be more eating of the humans later. So Come much on. eating of the humans. Ugh. It almost makes you a little queasy to think about it. Almost. If almost. we weren't so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, now that we have laid out what the themes of this episode were, why don't we talk about what we hated and what we loved? All right. 
the bad guys. You've made me love Missy more than I originally did. <laughs> but, like, I, I get having the change-up, something not supernatural, but so much of this just felt predictable. But, I mean, I've seen a lot of horror movies, and I read The Most Dangerous Game, and I've seen this episode before. <laughs> <laughs> so, inherently predictable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just inherently predictable. My hate is very similar to yours. So I loved Bissy, mm-hmm. and I loved the concept of this episode. I loved how so early on in the game when they literally have a plethora, you say I have a plethora? of supernatural things to choose from, halfway through, they choose to just go completely unsupernatural, just humans being fucked up humans, right? Yeah, like, I imagine when this was coming out episode by episode, this would have been a shock. The show is mm-hmm. called Supernatural, but these aren't supernatural. These are just humans. So I can see when it first came out, it being, you know, a shocker and so unique and different. Exactly. What I hated, though, I hated how they were portrayed as dirty and dumb. I just didn't find that as interesting. It's a Well, no, we know they're not dumb. They may be mentally ill, but they are not dumb. And they may live in the country south. They may act country south, hick. But that doesn't make them unintelligent. Because they are obviously intelligent to have been able to do this and get away with this for as long as they have. My thoughts exactly. Despite that evidence... The way Dean treats them and the way they are made to speak and the way their house is portrayed and the way they are dressed and their lack of hygiene portrays them as people who are dumb enough to ignore basic hygiene, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, their their portrayal was not good. <laughs> yeah. Considering how good they are at kidnapping, killing, and hiding bodies. Yeah, like, you and I personally know a fair amount of hunters, and there's nothing about hunting that makes you forget to brush your teeth. (laughs) No. Or take showers, or clean your room. If anything, people who hunt are very meticulous because they want to clean the game they've caught. So... Yeah, and you gotta think, being hunters... Animals have a better sense of smell than we do, so you would Mm -hmm. want to mask your scent and be as undetectable as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an untrue stereotype, one, and on top of that, two, it's an overplayed trope of the dirty, dumb, backwards hick. Yes. So I just, I found it... Even if I weren't to find it insulting, which, I mean, I don't really find it insulting because I was never part of that culture in the South Mm -hmm. so much. I was never a hunter or anything like that. It just wasn't interesting. How much more fun would this episode have been if these characters had been clean-cut, well-dressed, erudite, but enjoyed hunting, but were still interested in hunting humans, right? Imagine if they had Dean tied up while they sat down to a candlelit dinner and you know what they are eating. That steak they're cutting into is human flesh and they're discussing the thrill of hunting humans and, oh, what is your name again? Oh, 
Dean. Oh, you just wouldn't know the thrill. Have you ever hunted deer? And Dean would be like, oh, I hate hunting deer. I only, and he cuts himself off because he doesn't want to hunt, he doesn't want to admit that he hunts monsters. They, they lightened the feel of this episode by making it that over-the-top trope, that characteristic of these, oh, these dumb hicks. But it, it would have been so much scarier mm -hmm. if they hadn't used that comedic effect of, oh, it's just a bunch of dumb hicks. Because that's not true. These people were smart. And if they had portrayed them as smart as they are to have gotten away with this, totally different episode. I completely agree. It was, it's scary enough that they could have gone so much scarier. And it's not like the show was shying away from being scary. Mm -mm. It was just laziness, I think. Yeah. Oh, what do you think of when you think of hunters hunting humans? Oh, I think of dumb hicks and camo. <sighs> Just it. Maybe I was insulted. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's what I hated. You want to know what I loved? Yes, tell me what you loved. I loved the lady cop. Yes. It's so refreshing to see you enjoying a lady character again. <laughs> you woman hater. I, I, love, I love the ladies. <laughs> I've I noticed since we've been doing this episode, all throughout my notes, any reference to her is lady cop. Because, mm -hmm. like, I just, I didn't really catch her name at any point. <laughs> her name is said once, and it's when she's walking away and Dean's cuffed the car, and he calls Kathleen. And it never really <sighs> stuck with me. Uh, I loved Sam being analytical about his situation and Dean's smart-ass during torture. Whoa, Hannah with the multiple loves. What's happening? I'm, I'm getting better at podcasting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am trying to contain myself in the things that I love. <laughs> I already mentioned that I love the episode in general just for being not what you expect it to be. Mm -hmm. And that's really the whole theme of the episode, and I loved it. I loved that this was an episode of fake outs. You think it's going to be supernatural. It's not supernatural. You think that it's cops interviewing the kid, but it's not cops. It's the boys. You think Sam's going to get kidnapped, but it's not that. It's a cat. But then Sam does get kidnapped. You think the guy is entering the barn, but it's Dean entering the barn. You think that the cop is safe talking to the child, but then she gets whacked from behind. And shots are fired, and you think, oh, no, shit, Sammy's dead. But no. Literally nobody's dead. He just got knocked out. <laughs> you think this girl is just a child, but no, she's a fucking killer. Like, <laughs> everything in this episode, for the viewer and for the characters inside of it, just a big fake was out. a fake out. Yeah, and I really enjoyed that. It doesn't work so well for rewatches, but that first time through... <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's really effective. Yeah. I, re I I enjoyed that this whole episode was one big fake out. It it sets you back on your heels and makes you think, all right, I thought I understood this show, but this show is going to go places I won't expect it. And it Which, hey, that's a theme. Man, yeah. <laughs> that is a big old theme. You think you won't encounter dragons or the... Tooth fairy. Scalibur. Or die multiple times. Or, you know, the god Ganeshka. When someone dies, you don't think they'll come back. <laughs> yeah. You won't think you'll encounter archangels. <laughs> and that Sam and Dean are literally 
the blood relatives of Cain and Abel and are doomed to set the apocalypse going. But you, you know, wouldn't, you wouldn't think that you could literally murder death, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think that death would be killable, but you would be wrong. You wouldn't think that the characters Sam and Dean would go to an alternate universe where they are characters Sam and Dean, played by the actors Jensen and Jared. But <laughs> it happens. You wouldn't think that their entire lives would be written out into novel form and that the, their novels would become a popular fandom within their own universe and then one day be turned into a school play. But <laughs> but it happens. It oh, this shit show. happens. <laughs> well, let's get on to the rest of this show, Hannah. Let's talk about what's coming up next time. I'm excited for next time. Look around you. Life. Next time, Season 1, Episode 16, Shadow. While looking into a mysterious murder in Illinois, Sam and Dean come across Meg, an old friend, wink wink, of Sam's, who may be far worse than they ever thought possible, and who plans to use the brothers as bait to trap their father, John. Dun, dun, dun. And that comes to us by Amber Brooke. Thank you, Amber, of IMDb. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, IMDb. So what do I remember this episode? The only thing I actually remember is Meg in an abandoned church making one of her goblet phone calls. I remember Sam watching her from the street below. Oh, pervy Sam again, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Plot episode! It definitely sounds like a plot episode because we have Meg. And we have John. And we have demons. Yes. Yes. I'm excited for some I'm excited for plot. plot. Yay. Plot, plot, plot. Plot gives plot, me plot, life. Plot, plot, Sometimes this show has too much plot and you're grateful for the little one-shot episodes. But early on in the seasons, it's all one-shots and you're just dying for the plot. I'm super not looking forward to our clown episode. That's season one, right? <laughs> Uh, which one, Kendall? Which one? The one where they go undercover in a carnival, and it's an actual... Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, that one. There's also the one where they go to... What was it? Like, it wasn't... The Funhouse? The Magical Menagerie. Wasn't Isn't it? that also where the kids' drawings come to life, and yes. you see a unicorn that poops rainbows? Mm-hmm. And then it yes, pales the guy. Show. This, this show. This show. This fucking show. You wouldn't think the boys would encounter a unicorn that poops rainbows and impales people. But you'd be wrong. (sighs) If you would like to contact me, you can do so on Tumblr at jailbreakfiend J-A-I-L B-R-E-A-K F-I-E-N-D Also, Everything Overlord on Tumblr uh, and jailbreakfiend on Instagram also works. If you would like to contact me, I am on Tumblr at KindleAbroad or on Instagram at KindleKindleKindle. I'll leave it to you how to spell. Have fun. (laughs) Be adventurous. If you would like to reach both of us, I I would recommend you go to Jimale and type in Sisters Talk Brothers. At Gmail. 
dot four is good way to reach us both. Maybe one of us will respond. Maybe both of us. Who knows? Impossible. We can only both access one at a time. Oh, that's true. Ah, but maybe you would respond and then I would respond after. Maybe you get two responses to your email. Oh, you lucky oh, baby. Lucky you. Well, that might be too much sister for you to handle. Can you handle all that sister? I can't handle all that sister. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, we have said everything that could be said. So please, let's close this episode. Alright, so tune in next week for more monsters who are actually humans. <laughs> more brothers who are just trying their best. And some more sisters who are not experts. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hannah Fantana. Santana? Wanna, wanna Fanta. Fantana. I don't Hannah, f- Hannah Fantana. That's <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. You look hot in all that plaster. Drink some Fanta faster, faster. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Water. Earth. Fire. Uh, they they never explain <laughs> why it's called the Benders, and I think that is a failing of this episode. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. <laughs> Missy, Pa, Judd, and Lee. <laughs> but everything changed when the cannibals attacked. <laughs> but everything changed when the sheriff arrived. I'm bowing, I'm bowing, curtsy, curtsy. I'm applauding, I'm applauding, smile, smile. Mm. Fabulous, darling, fabulous. Oh, please, do stop. Oh, no, (laughs) don't go on. (laughs) Sam's hat hair's already gone. It only lasted the one scene. how he do that? how he do that? Ah, magical Sam hair. So, famous, famous, uh, Jif. There, GIF. Or it's GIF, GIF Kindle. Well, it's know. GIF. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't care. I'll just say GIF, 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 GIF my, the rest of my life. Make everybody happy because I don't give a fuck. Because the G is for graphic, which is G. So GIF. Your face is for graphics, which is good. Thanks. Which I am convinced is a smaller flashlight than the one he had in Asylum. Not that it well, matters. there's no way to know. <laughs> Literally no way to prove it ever. Bot of cages. Bot of cages. cages.